On November 14, 1960, six years after separate black and white schools were ruled unconstitutional in the Brown v. Board of Education ruling, four six-year-old girls in New Orleans became the first African Americans to integrate white-only public elementary schools in the Deep South. On that day, three girls, Leona Tate, Gail Etienne and Tessie Prevost enrolled in McDonald Number 19 School at 5909 St. Claude Avenue. A fourth girl, Ruby Bridges, began classes at William France School at 3811 North Galvez Street. The integration of New Orleans Public Elementary Schools marked a major focal point in the history of the American Civil Rights Movement. With worldwide attention focused on New Orleans, federal marshals wearing yellow armbands began escorting the New Orleans Four to the schools at 9 a.m. By 9.25 a.m., the two public elementary schools in the Deep South were integrated. In 2009, Leona Tate established the Leona Tate Foundation for Change to help purchase McDonald Number no. 19, the school she, with Tessie Prevost and Gail Etienne, integrated. Today, she and her partners, Alembic Community Developers, are readying the historic landmark building to reopen in the spring of 2021 as the Tate, Etienne, and Prevost TEP Center, a mixed-use development dedicated to the history of New Orleans public school desegregation, civil rights, and black life. Her mission for the TEP Center is to create a safe space and community anchor where the public can learn, support, and train for anti-racism activism and social restorative justice. On today's episode, we have the fantastic opportunity to hear from Ms. Leona Tate, a civil rights pioneer and a community advocate who was a part of the New Orleans Four. She shares her experience about integrating as a six-year-old girl, and she gives a little bit of insight as to what her new foundation is going to do for the community of New Orleans. You do not want to miss this episode. It was such an honor to celebrate Black History Month with one of the pioneers in civil rights, Miss Leona Tate. You are listening to the Educate on Purpose podcast. This show is designed to support school leaders that want to break down barriers in education. On this show, it doesn't matter if you're a mentor teacher, a district superintendent, or anything in between. Together, we fearlessly fight to provide quality education. We design joyous, caring learning environments, and we lead with clarity and purpose. Thanks for joining the Educate on Purpose family. Welcome to the Educate on Purpose podcast. I am Brandon House, here to help you lead purposefully, grow strategically, and care intentionally. And if you did not know, this is going to be an extremely special uh, episode today. I am extremely honored to have with me a very esteemed guest. Uh, I can't even believe I'm, I'm really talking to her right now, but uh, I have with me Miss Leona 
Tate. And as you heard from the intro, she has done a number of things for uh, New Orleans public education and just for education in general for America uh, in terms of integration. And I am uh, I'm excited. I don't even want to give the punchline because I'm going to let her share it with you. But uh, I'm excited to have Miss Tate on the show. So, Miss Tate, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, you're so welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> So I just want to I want to jump right into it. I'm uh, very interested in your story. And obviously reading uh, is different than actually hearing it, especially from the person who experienced it. But, um, you know, I if you could just share for the listeners um, just your story, you know, I, I know that you were a part of what they call the New Orleans Four, uh, the McDonald Three, um, and you were a part of integrating as a six-year-old child uh, in, in into uh, New Orleans public schools. So just tell us a little bit about that story. Little Leona is six years old. You're walking in first day of school. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, that morning was kind of exciting. You know, I knew I was going to a different school. Um, had no idea why, but um, I was glad because I wasn't comfortable at my old school. And um, my house was, when I was awakened to get ready for school that morning, my house was filled with family and friends there to help my mother get prepared. And um, everybody seemed to be in a real good spirit that morning. And you would have thought it was like, you know, like Christmas, somebody coming over to help prepare the, prepare the dinner. And that's what it seemed like. Mm. Um, so that time arose and a black car pulled up in front of the door. And of course we were escorted to school and home by U.S. Mm -hmm. Marshals every day. And uh, mm -hmm. they were there to escort me and my mother to the school for that morning. And the house got real quiet. Oh, wow. So I knew something was about to happen. I knew mm -hmm. something. Didn't know what, but I knew something was about to happen. Mm -hmm. And my mother said, she said, when you get in the car, you sit to the back of the seat and do not put your face to the window. Mm -hmm. Obedience played a big part in what we had to do. We had oh. to listen. So I did, and we made the, um, the the drive, which was seen to be right around the corner from where I was living, and I was walking ten or eleven blocks to my old school. Mm. And, uh, but it was a it was it was very fun to get a ride to school. And, <laughs> So I think it was myself, Gail Letian, and Tessie Brevos that McDonough 19, because schools were by districts, and we lived in that district. And mm -hmm. uh, we all arrived to the front of the building. And when we turned the corner on St. Claude Avenue, I mean, it was mobs of people. People, oh, wow. this was all over the neutral ground area. You know, I could see the police on horseback holding the crowd back. Um, it just was people everywhere. And... Um, Wow. So being six years old in New Orleans and knowing that a parade pass said, I thought that's what was happening. Uh -huh. You know, and I wanted to know why I had to go to school no more to grow and everybody else <laughs> got to watch the parade. Well, that wasn't the case, my mother said. So mm -hmm. we did get to enter the building and um, we went upstairs, which was where the principal's office was. And um, we approached the office and they asked us to take a seat on a mm -hmm. bench that was in the hallway. And we probably was on that bench about half the day, you know, wow. they, they didn't even attempt to do anything at that time with us when we got there. I mean, we was there so long that Tessa Gale and I played hopscotch on the tiles of the floor. 
Wow. We had to amuse ourselves some sort of way. Mm. So we finally got placed in the classroom. I can remember trying to speak to a little white girl mm. and um, maybe I wasn't supposed to be talking in class, but she said <laughs> nothing. It was like I was invisible. She didn't. Wow. And class was full of students at that time, every classroom in the building. But the parents started pulling their students out. All the white kids were being pulled out. Oh, wow. And the three of us thinking, well, hey, they going outside to watch the parade. Why can't we, you know? Mm. But that wasn't it, you know. Wow. But by three o'clock, they were all gone. You know, we were the only three students in that building. I think two brothers were there for the remainder of the week, but they dead was harassed so bad, but um, we never saw them. Mm-hmm. And um, and that lasted for a year and a half. We were in that building alone. We couldn't wow. play in the yard. Didn't realize how confined we were. Um, we were comfortable though, you know. Um, mm-hmm. We had a very good first grade teacher, Miss Myers. Um, we had to bring our food and beverages. We couldn't eat from the school. Or the water fountains were turned off. The windows were papered up. You couldn't see in. Nobody could. Nobody could see in, and we couldn't see out really wasn't allowed to go on that side of the room where there was a window. Wow. Yeah. But that's so, fine. so, you know, throughout this, this time, a year and a half, when did uh, you, you finally realize that, you know, things were, were a little bit different and, and you were probably at the center of all of the, the controversy. <laughs> I, I, you know, we still didn't understand why, but I think, you know, Maybe, maybe midway, you know, we started mm-hmm. kind of realizing something was different, but we were fine. So we yeah. didn't question it. You know, we didn't question it at all. You know, wow. um, my family didn't talk around me to make me afraid. So I didn't think to be afraid of anything. Um, but um, mm. I mean, it was years on the line before I really realized what I had done. Wow. What wow. I had done. And and so, you know, a year and a half goes past. And so do students start to reintegrate into the school? Uh, what was the transition? How did how did people start to, to come back into the school or what, what happened next? <laughs> well, they didn't come back. We did get 25 students in second grade after the Christmas holidays. Only two of those were white. Mm. And um, by then, McDonough 19 was proclaimed a, a black school. Oh, wow. So the NAACP wanted to keep us in the white school. Mm -hmm. So in third grade, we were transferred to Thomas J. Sims, which used to sit right on the side of the St. Claude Bridge. Mm -hmm. We didn't have the U.S. Marshal or the police protection at this school. We endured a lot. Wow. Yeah, we endured a lot. We had to face where the teachers were coercing the students to call us names or, you know, just some kind of mockery, you know, um, we were definitely afraid to eat lunch in the cafeteria because either somebody was going to spit in it or knock it out of your hand. Um, you were definitely afraid to go to the restroom alone. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's really where, I mean, we were close already, but we really, really got, we created a bond between the three of us, you know, because wherever we go, we were, it was placed in our heads to stick together. Mm-hmm. We had to do that. We, we had to do that. Our safe haven was like a, a tree in the yard and that's where we would sit and 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 you know thinking about all of those experiences you know um i'm just 
how did you how did you find the strength where where was the how did you endure that you know because you know uh, I'm just thinking about any students that may be listening right now or anything like that there are a lot of challenges um, just being black in America even right now you know that people have to endure obviously it's a little bit different a lot different but um, you know kids are still just facing some of those similar challenges where you know they may be in the wrong class or maybe in the wrong school and they have to learn how to endure some of the the um the names or the the you know what people are identifying them as just because they're black so how did you endure that well like i said obedience played a big part of it i had to do what i was told to do <laughs> i think things be different today i find that children have a mind of their own you know but um <laughs> I didn't, I, 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 I didn't have a choice. Put it yeah. that way. I didn't have much of a choice. Yeah. <laughs> they wanted it done and my mom was going to see t- t- it getting done and that was it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you had to identify, you know, your, your most memorable experience during these years of schooling, whether positive or negative, um, you know, what would it be? Oh, wow. That's a new question. Um, um, There was, well, when we could, well, I changed schools after third grade. And I think my sixth grade class, we had sixth grade graduation. Mm -hmm. And um, my mother dressed us well. Okay, she dressed us well. (laughs) And it was a big commotion about my dress. Everybody was just just overwhelmed with what I wore that day. And I was happened to be on the program. So I think that was really, yeah. I think that started me to maybe have some leadership there. You know, I didn't all, most of the time, I just want to stay in the background, you know? Yeah. 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 You know, um, and I'm just, you know, listening to your story and it, it sounds like your mother and your family had a big part in just helping you remain confident and helping you remain safe, um, you know, or feeling safe, you know, as you go through all of these different situations. And, you know, obviously you, you came to our, our school a, a, a couple of years ago. And I just remember you uh, sharing with us that like your, your mother always sort of grounded you in your faith as well and just being sure that God is always with you and um, so uh, it's just great to hear like you were able to maintain a a little bit of that innocence you know as you were you were growing up in in that scenario I tried to (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um, you know now that you we're fast forwarding and you're starting to realize that you've made a significant impact. And, um, you know, just tell us a little bit about, you know, um, some of the, 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 the moves that you tried to make in new Orleans, um, especially as you, I know that you've started a foundation and, you know, there's the, there's the TEP interpretive center that that started. So how did that all begin? When when did you start to realize that you could really make an impact in in new Orleans? Well, I didn't, I didn't start it out to be that, but um, (laughs) I came, um, well, we came to back to the Lower Night Walk when we were allowed to get in after Katrina, and mm-hmm. um, 
my dad was still living in this area at that time when Contrita hit. So um, we wanted to bring him to see his house. So, you know, Nagana 19 was always a conversation for myself, Tessa and Gayla. So it was a must that I, I go and I see this building before I leave the lower ninth ward. And I did. Mm -hmm. And um, the traffic was so heavy that day and just this standing still, I, we got to talk to many people that was just trying to get out the same way. And um, my understanding was that they were only bringing one school back to this entire area. Mm. I said, oh no, they need to have another school. So I started asking about McDonough 19 reopening as a school again. And everybody I spoke to wanted to know what was my foundation about. Well, it wasn't my t intention to start a foundation, but to get an answer, we had to do that. So mm -hmm. we did it. And um, <laughs> I was assured that McDonough 19 wouldn't be a school again because schools now are required to be on three acres of land and it's only on 1.8 acres of land, but it's three stories high. Mm. And I say, well, if it's not a school, it needs to be something educational, you know, but, you know, I start getting invited to different schools in the area and see where children don't know the story of mm. what happened at McDonough 19. Right. And I can be honest with you, the school board didn't know the story. You know, mm. um, they put the building up for sale and we had to do a presentation on what happened there. Oh, wow. And, and that opened a lot of a lot of doors. And um, so now we have now purchased the building as of January of last year and um, under construction. Mm -hmm. And we'll have that first um, New Orleans Tate, Etienne, and Prevost is named after the three of us, Interpretive Center. But it's it's strictly right. about civil rights. Okay. You know, about the story of the integration. Um, we're going to kind of touch on a lot of movements that happen in the New Orleans area. And I'm going to go outside and we're going to need more space if I do. But uh, <laughs> we, have a, we have a lot that happened right here that children don't know about. Right. And I feel like if it's put in one place for somebody, for them to see it, maybe we can get them to come in. And, and and see it and feel it, you know. Right. I, I could probably talk to them black and blue, but if they don't see it, they're not gonna understand it. Right, right. And well, I said it was three stories high. The second and the third floor is um, gonna be affordable living for uh, housing for elderly, 55 wow. or older. But downstairs we'll be having workshops on undoing racism, of course. Okay. That'll be, um, um, structured by the People's Institute that are coming in with us, and um, hopefully we'll get a lot of people to join us. You know, Absolutely. and I hear you talking about what you're trying to do with your with your teachers. You know, we do a workshop because a lot of the teachers here don't know the culture in New Orleans. They're from mm -hmm. out of town. They're from everywhere. They can come in and take one of those workshops. Right, right. Mm -hmm. That's that's. I mean, that is huge. You know, I was just thinking about when you came to our school. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it it was very interesting because we had a small portion of our students who had heard about Ruby Bridges for whatever reason. Um, and then we had almost nobody who had heard of, you know, mm -hmm. McDonald 3 or Leona Tate uh, mm -hmm. or, or anybody for, for that matter. And, you know, just thinking about, you know, the, the education that we have now, um, especially in social studies, it's almost, I don't know if teachers are afraid to talk about the, the, the conversation and talk about what is, what is happening in our history, or if it's more of just that we don't have time, you know, and so they, they selectively cut out 
different parts of the social studies uh, content, but um, it, there, it really is almost unheard of. You know, right. it, it, people don't really talk about, you know, right. a lot of the things that happened in the civil rights movement, besides obviously Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, right. those types of people. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's very interesting to think about. We just ask them that at least incorporate it in the curriculum they already have. Right. I'm sure there's something there. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> there there are some open doors, but that, that would cause, you know, that would definitely cause people to have to do the research, right. you know. And right. so I, I don't know that a lot of people are even doing the research yet. They're not. They're not. Right. Yeah. So th- it's great that you have this foundation, you know, where people uh, can come and, and get training, especially around undoing racism. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a unique time right now. Uh, obviously, not as unique as it was back when when you were growing up during this integration time. But obviously, um, being a school leader in schools, I know that a lot of teachers are feeling the uh, the tension, you know, that is going on, uh, especially after all of the you know police police brutality issues and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess if you had to give uh, a piece of advice to educators right now, especially as they navigate this this weird time, uh, what would it be? Oh, just to, for students to stay focused, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they have every opportunity to get involved in anything that they want to get involved in. Mm-hmm. They just need to leave the negative stuff alone and just stay focused and get through school and get through college. And that's all we ask. Right. Right. That's, that's beautiful. That's, that's great. Um, the, the last question for me is, you know, looking, looking back through all of your leadership opportunities and the things that uh, you you were able to be a part of integrating into schools. Is there a specific moment or incident in your life that you feel most proud of and, and why? I don't know. I guess just being chosen, you know, to be one of the little girls, you know, I thought, you know, that was really I, I, I just say God chose us to do it because, I mean, it right. it should have been done the week that we were, I mean, the year that we were born, you know, mm-hmm. and New Orleans was so delayed with their, with their actions to the law, you know, that we came along six years later and, and it happened to be us. So wow. I think I'm, you know, pretty proud of that, that moment. Great. That I feel like God chose us to do it. Wow. Well, Miss Tate, uh, I want to say thank you so much for this interview. And I wanted to give people a chance to uh, look up or learn more about your foundation or any other projects that you're a part of. So uh, do you do you mind sharing how we can we can find you? Sure, sure. Our website. In fact, we have two now. Um, Leona Tate Foundation dot org or TEP Center, T-E-P Center dot org. Um, you can email us, ltape at ltfcinc.org. Great. Facebook. I think we're on every media there is. Just look <laughs> up Leona Tate Foundation and Great. you will find us. Trust me, you will find us. Great. 
And well, educators, you know, teachers, leaders, uh, this is a great opportunity to to build more uh, education in the civil rights movement and racism um, and undoing racism. Uh, please check out Miss Tate's foundation. Uh, this is a she's a great lady. I know people around the ninth ward uh, they they feel like she's she's the she's mama. She she <laughs> takes care of everybody. I've heard that a lot from a lot of people around the ninth ward. So um, so please uh, check out her foundation and Miss Tate. Uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. I appreciate you thank taking you, the Brandon. time. Thank you so much. All right. Well, educators, thank you so much for listening. And remember to educate on purpose. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, be sure to rate and subscribe on your podcast app. You can find this podcast wherever you love to listen to your favorite podcast. Also, don't forget to head over to brandongehouse.com slash EOP network. There you will have the opportunity to join the Educate on Purpose Leadership Network, where you have access to courses, community forums, a weekly mastermind, and one-on-one coaching, all designed to improve your school leadership. And get this, if you join today, you get the first 30 days for free. You don't want to miss out. So head over to brandongehouse.com slash EOP network. You can also follow me on Twitter at Mr. Brandon House or join the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Mr. Brandon House. Thanks again for listening and remember to educate on purpose.